If you can read, you can learn. And if you can learn, you can earn. That is what we have been telling teenagers who come to the facility for the last 16 years that we've been in operation. I run a school at the facility, a, a middle school and a high school. There's no social media allowed for the teens at our facility. And I will tell you parents, I know you're not gonna believe what I'm about to say, but I will tell you, it is, it is actually all you need to know. It takes kids two weeks. They pine for the social media and then they start reading and they read the rest of the time. But I don't, I don't need you to take my word for it. I don't need you to believe me. What I, what I need you to do is listen to the experts. Uh, I got uh, Jim Carrey with a PhD, Dr. Danny Brassel here. And this guy uh, runs the readinghabit.com and he's authored, I believe we agreed on offline, 7,000 books. No, no, it says here 16, uh, 16 books. We're gonna talk about reading. And I want you to hear from the expert. I want you to hear from the pro about this because we're missing something here, parents. You know it. I know it. What are we doing about it? What can we do about it? Let's talk to Dr. Danny. Thank you for joining me on Beyond Risk and Back. I'm your host, Aaron Huey. Thank you for listening, liking, subscribing, sharing, and reviewing Beyond Risk and Back. We really are uh, in the revolution, the evolution revolution of helping parents help their families. Dr. Danny, thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Aaron. Thanks for all that you do for parents and families. I love your enthusiasm, and I'm like the Baptist in the front row saying amen to everything you preach, <laughs> brother. Thank you. I appreciate that. Let's let's start with the basics. Um, why do you do what you do, and how did you end up where you are? Oh, well, that's a long story. I'll try. Uh, this, is a, this is a horrible habit I have is long answers to short questions, Aaron, Aaron but I'll, try, I'll attempt to... Uh, I actually, it's ironic that people consider me America's leading reading ambassador now because I grew up hating reading. My father was a librarian. I always hated the public library. They always smelled funny. The furniture was wow. uncomfortable. There was always some elderly woman telling me to be quiet. There's always some homeless guy who thinks he's a vampire hanging out by the bookshelf. <laughs> I hated the library. And it wasn't until I started teaching in the inner city in South Central Los Angeles where I saw a lot of my students didn't have the, uh, the same advantages I had growing up. And I said, shame on me. I mean, I grew up, both of my parents were in the home. We weren't, uh, we were a lower middle-class family, but we had food on the table. Uh, and my, my family, we always had plenty of books around us. My parents read to us kids and in front of us kids. And I realized I need to do something because kids aren't stupid. They don't see us reading they're They're never going to be reading. And so I became very passionate about getting kids to, uh, to love reading. I think schools, Aaron, do an adequate job of teaching kids how to read. But the question I always ask people is what good is it teaching a kid how to read if they never want to read? Right. You know, I teach kids why to read because I've never had to tell a kid, go watch TV. I've never had to tell a kid, go play a video game. And I never want to have to tell a kid, go read a book. I want them to choose to do it on their own because they find it to be a fun and rewarding activity. And so you and I are completely aligned uh, and you're hitting a really great age group because I've taught all age levels and I can give you the argument on why each age level is the best. When I taught in middle school, the thing I love about middle school is it's usually one statement from a teacher that changes that kid's life. You know, uh, I say, Aaron, you know, that's a really good story you just wrote. I bet you you become an author someday. And like 20 years later, you win the Pulitzer Prize. You're like, I remember when Mr. Huey told me I'd be a good <laughs> writer. So that's why I love what you're doing. I mean, and I, and I think parents, uh, they need you. I mean, uh, 
it was either uh, Socrates or Keanu Reeves who once said, uh, you need a license to fish, a license to drive a car, but any idiot can become a parent. Well, now that I'm a parent, that's been proven true. But in defense of parents, nobody gives them a manual. And I think uh, it's people like you, the heroes in the trenches, Aaron, that have a responsibility to really show parents some simple tricks that they can use with their kids to get their kids to be not just good learners at school, but lifelong learners and better citizens. Fantastic. Thanks for, uh, thanks for the accolades. It's clear. We've both read the 48 laws of power and, uh, <laughs> but I want to, I want to get right to some of, some of your expertise on being this, this, this leader in reading this ambassador reading in America. I want to understand why so many kids don't want to read. What did we lose? I don't know if we actually lost it, Aaron. I think uh, there's lots of things competing for kids' attention nowadays. And I've thought that one of the problems I've always seen in schools, you know, I'm pretty old at this point. You, you chop off my head, you count the rings. But when I was growing up in high school, I remember uh, one of my teachers forced me to read Nathaniel Hawthorne's The Scarlet Letter. Now, sure. I'm not going to put down the book, but uh, it's the true story. It was not a true story. It's a story of Hester Prynne. Uh, who commits adultery, and so she's forced to wear an A on her chest. And I asked my teacher if I could wear a B on my chest because I was so bored reading this book. And I think that's where we're missing it. You know, the research is very clear on this, Aaron. It doesn't matter what you read. What matters is how much you read. It doesn't matter if you're reading James Joyce or James and the Giant Peach. People who read more read better. I always emphasize this to parents. The little boy who only reads Captain Underpants is going to be a better reader than the little boy who refuses to read anything. Captain Underpants is the gateway drug to Shakespeare, but we got to get him hooked first. And so this is where I think is the missing link. I, I don't like to I don't like to pile on to schools because I think schools, you know, it's a, it's an easy excuse for everything. People like to always bash schools. You've you run a school and you're doing your best with what you got. And, uh, you know, I actually thought the pandemic was a blessing because millions of parents were forced to involuntarily homeschool their kids. And all of a sudden they realized, oh, my gosh, I can't even control my kid. Try try controlling 35 of them at the same time. So I think there's a, a new appreciation uh, to teachers. Uh, but I, I've always thought that really one of the biggest problems, because let's face it, Aaron, four out of five of our struggling and reluctant readers, they're boys. Boys and girls are very different. You know, girls, little really? girls will read books about little boys. Little boys have no interest in books about little girls. There's a, a great scene in one of the Diary of the Wimpy Kid books where uh, the mother decides to have a mother-son book club. And so she invites all the boys from the neighborhood to come bring a book. And so the mother, she's brought uh, Sarah Plain and Tall, Little House on the Prairie, Little Women, Anne of Green Gables, and the boys, they've brought like How to Cheat at Video Games, The Book of Bodily Functions, uh, Dinosaur Fever. You know, we, we have different interests. And um, I, I think that's where we're falling a little bit short. And it's, it's a problem because I can't tell you, Aaron, how many seventh grade boys I've worked with. There is no way I'm getting this kid to read a textbook. But if I give him a manual on how to fix a Chevy, he'll memorize it from cover to cover because he's interested Interest drives reading. That's what we should be focused on. So when you say it doesn't matter what we read, it, it, it matters that we read. Yep. Uh, this this brings us to a question that I that I proposed offline for you to answer is: Does that include the internet? Because the internet 
very much likened to the library, right? When the internet is the sum total of human knowledge and what isn't actually true, but what we might think or believe or want others to think is true. Anything you can find, any book, and and like you, I've got I've got books back there. I have books from the 1800s and 70s. I have leather back Masonic texts back there, and everything like that. And I, and I love the smell. I love the collection. I remember going to a library as a kid, and when I was at the library, you could most likely find me in the black and white photography section looking at nude pictures. But I was there. I was reading, and I did always bring a stack of books home. Reading was my escape. Does the internet count when we talk about reading? Yeah, that's a great question here. And I, I love that you asked that question. So I was with a fourth grade boy and his teacher told me, Deshaun, don't read anything. I'm like, well, let's see if, if Deshaun will read. And in one hour, Deshaun must have surfed at least 30 different web pages. He sent several emails to friends. He texted a bunch of his buddies. He's highly literate. She's using a definition from 75 years ago. Yes, you and I prefer physical books. You and I are old, Aaron, but <laughs> you stop for kids' attention. You know, I, I have this debate with my wife all the time. You know, uh, she, you know, she loves her Kindle book. People always ask me, Danny, e-books or regular books? And my answer is always yes. I mean, I like physical books. I'm old school. Uh, it's horrible. I write in all my books. But in defense of me, I write, all, I write in all my books. After I read a book, I, I take all the dog-eared pictures. I take pictures, I, excuse me, all the dog-eared pages. I take pictures of them with my iPhone. And I, you and I are both speakers. And so, like, when I come up ac across an anecdote on integrity, yeah. I put it in my integrity file. So if I ever have to speak on integrity, I have, like, 25 different anecdotes from different books or right. responsibility or right. leadership or, you know, communication skills, you know, that's, and then I always donate the books to either a teacher or to uh, the friends of a library. That's me. My wife, she has her little Kindle. And so let me explain the benefits of that. You know, she's from Singapore. So whenever we fly to Singapore, she watches me load 20 books into my luggage while she only has to pack a one pound, seven ounce, a uh, little electronic device that has access to the entire world's library. That's right. a huge benefit. Another thing I like about it is uh, it drives her nuts. I like to read in bed and I always have to have my lamp on. Right. Well, she doesn't need a lamp on because her Kindle illuminates itself. And then the other thing that's great about the Kindle is I'm getting older and I'm finding a lot of these paperbacks are difficult for me to actually read the text. Well, you don't have to worry about that with a Kindle because you can actually adjust the font size. Now, if the question is, would I would I prefer the kids reading books or the Internet? Well, obviously, the question, the answer is going to be I, I would much rather them reading books because I want them to actually go through an entire experience, not just this limited attention span, you know, where uh, I, I mean, I, I had seen a statistic that in the 1968 presidential debate, uh, the average American had an attention span of about 70 seconds. And in the last presidential debate in 2000, actually, no, it was 2016. I didn't see the 2020 statistics, but in 2016, it had gone down from 70 seconds to seven seconds. Oh. I'm like, wow. I mean, if, if we're going to if we're going to live our lives based on sound bites, you know, that's kind of like that old joke uh, Woody Allen said, where he's like, oh, I took a speed reading course. I read War and Peace in 20 minutes. It's about Russia. <laughs> it's about more than that. <laughs> uh, but, but uh, this is where a lot of people, but again, I've always, 
this is where I know you're coming in handy, Aaron, is I know you can get those kids excited about, I mean, I love that you just give them a, a fast, like, no, this is it. You're reading books. And after about two weeks, you know, kids are like, man, I got to do something. And that's why they're going to read it. And I would encourage, you know, I guarantee you any parent at home, if they remove the television set and the internet, their kid's going to be a better reader because the kid's going to do something. If nothing else, they're going to get fitter because they'll actually learn that there's a thing called the outdoors and they can actually take a hike or play with their friends. Uh, you and I, when we grew up, Aaron, you know, it could be 20 below zero outside. My mom's like, dinner's at six. Go outside. Yeah, I mean, it, God I mean, forbid, God forbid I told my mom I was bored. Like, like that was, there's a pile of wood out there and hammers in the garage and you know where the nails are out. And that, that was the response to board and, and reading was a cure for boredom. Now I, I like, I love the Kindle because I still collect comic books to this day, but I'm not interested in the high price of the paperbacks that I've got to store under heavy books. I want every, I, so I have hundreds and hundreds of comic books. Now, now this leads me to a question that I came through that when we started talking about the Kindle, the, the concept of audiobooks has come in because I have a, I have a young client who doesn't like reading, but has listened to every book under the sun. Does that count? Absolutely counts. Uh, matter of fact, I work with a lot of dyslexic students. And if you look at the statistics, over half of the fortune 500 CEOs are actually dyslexic. Really? And, uh, yeah, one of the things you'll find with dyslexics is they they process much better at an auditory rate than a visual rate. And so that's always one of the tips I give to people is listen to books on tape, uh, audiobooks. Uh, that counts. Uh, a lot of the busiest CEOs on the planet, they're sitting there on their Stairmaster every day listening to a book while they're on the Stairmaster. I, I highly encourage people to do that. The other thing that you said, Aaron, which uh, I need to bring you on the road with me, I love comic books. I think comic books, when I do a, a corporate training, I'll always ask people, I'm like, well, what was your favorite book growing up? 70% of the audience is like Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, Batman. I mean, there's actually, there was a great study done, uh, I believe in 1964 when the Fantastic Four comic came out, that literacy scores actually improved in America. Wow. Um, there's, if you look at vocabulary alone, the vocabulary in most comic strips is written at twice the level of the network news. And that's actually a fact. Um, so there's wonderful benefits. Uh, you know, my son just devours comic books and he, he loves the manga, the Japanese manga. They of go course. through that all the time. And again, as a parent, we need to just encourage that. Now, I don't believe in letting I'm a big believer in you are what you read. So read good stuff. And so I am going to monitor what my kids are reading. I don't want sure. like, a lot of sexually explicit stuff or bad language. Uh, you know, I like I prefer happy endings. So I like things uh with happy endings. One of my mentors, Charlie Tremendous Jones said, you're the same today as you will be in five years, except for two things, the people you meet and the books you read. So I always emphasize to my kids, be very wise, surround yourself with people that lift you up and make sure you feed your mind with really positive information. That's why I like about you, Aaron, though you, you go from comic books, but then you read exactly the same type of stuff I'm reading, which is personal development, how to improve yourself. You're, you're constantly, huh, that's interesting that a person would say this back in the 19th century and this same old concept is being now it's in rogue right now right. Uh, in the 21st century it's fascinating to me 
Okay, so let's let's get now down to the nitty-gritty, the meat and potatoes of we know what we know about books, about reading and including audiobooks or that. And that's fascinating about the audiobooks. I had no idea that that dyslexia was that prevalent among top corporate. And so so that's fantastic. Now, the 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 audience of this show are parents who they're stuck. The kids are beyond risk. At risk was was you know one to three years ago. Now there's there's things are things are pretty desperate. And the 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 attraction to video games, the attention to social media, the distraction of the 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 marshmallow experiment, right? You know, you're, you're going to gobble it quick and you won't get your second one, but at least you got that first one. And for people who don't know what I'm talking about, go to YouTube and type in the marshmallow experiment You and watch it. It'll blow your mind. But now... Great book about it too by, uh, was it Posada? Uh, New York Yankee catcher, Jorge Posada. It's his uncle is the guy that wrote the book. He was a great speaker. Phenomenal. And and the whole experiment has been replicated in Mexico. And they're, they're, the, the, the results are not only more of the same, but even more extreme in, yeah. in the, the 100%, 100%. The kids who ate the marshmallow immediately had less success and kids who uh, uh, waited had more. And it's just a phenomenal thing. But now my question is, how do we help parents help their kids read? What are, what are, let's, let's go to basics here. Yeah. So that's why I created my program because, uh, you know, I'm a parent and one of the first things I tell parents is swap kids because no kid's going to listen to their own parent. It's the truth. Yeah. My own three kids, uh, they'll listen to the neighbors, but they won't listen to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I get that call all the time. My kid says that Aaron says, and they tell me what you said, which is the same thing that I had told them. Why am exactly. I listening to you? And I'm like, I'm not you. So could you tell my kids these, this, li- here's a list of things I want you to tell my kids. Cause I told them they don't listen. Right. Yeah, I've always said, you know, I've always had very high expectations. I always tell my students that uh, sometimes you need somebody else to believe in you before you believe in yourself. I believe in all of you because they give me nothing but the best and the brightest. I have very high uh, expectations. You know, uh, uh, I was once uh, thrust in to to teach uh, eighth grade special education. It was not special education, Aaron. It was uh, 16 boys that nobody else wanted to teach. You know, eight eight African-American, eight Latino. And if their life wasn't miserable enough, they got stuck with the white dude. And uh, first day of school, so you had to help me out. This is my first time teaching the gifted and talented program. They're looking at me and I'm like, you know, there's this great book I read. Uh, A lot of people think it's good. I think it's great. It says you should try and treat other people the way you want to be treated. I find when I treat people like they're geniuses, they start acting like they're geniuses. And so when I was trying to figure out a way to help parents, because this is my passion is is really working with the parents, just like you, Aaron. Um, And I want to make it very practical. So I created my reading engagement program. There's two numbers I want everybody to remember. The first one was 20. So uh, researchers around the world were looking at uh, habits of successful students. They were trying to figure out common characteristics, and they discovered one which fascinated them. It was the number of minutes spent reading outside of school. They looked at the low students, the average students, and the high students. They, the kids in the 20th percentile at the bottom of the class, the F students, averaged less than a minute a day of reading outside of school. That didn't surprise anybody. That's probably why they're at the bottom of the class. But then they looked at the middle of the class, the 70th percentile, the C students, the average students, 
they average 9.6 minutes a day reading outside of school. And so if I'm doing a live training with parents, this is usually when the first hand raises and the parent says, wait a sec, are you saying if I can get my kid to read 10 minutes a day, I can take them from an F to a C? That's exactly what I'm saying. Wow. Research is inclusive on this. But this is even more startling. The kids in the 90th percentile, near the top of the class, do they spend three hours a day outside of school reading for fun? No. Is it one hour a day? No. The average was just over 20 minutes a day. My entire goal for my program is to show parents how to get their kid to read for 20 minutes a day. And I give simple tips. Every day, parents are getting a five-minute video from me showing them a, a different way to get their kid excited. And so uh, I'll just give a couple right now so parents have some things immediately. So I have this feeling that television is here to stay. And, uh, <laughs> President Bush Sr. signed a very important law in this country almost 30 years ago that said every television set sold in the United States has to have closed captioning. So here's the first tip for parents. Turn on the closed captioning. Oh, my on God, that's brilliant. Well, a lot of parents will say, well, wait a second. The show is in English and the subtitles are in English. What good does that do? I'm like, that's a fair point. Let me make a point. Aaron, have you ever watched a show with subtitles and not looked at the subtitles? It's very difficult no. for you to do. Your brain is directed towards the text. There's actually research that supports this, too. If you look at literacy scores around the world, the more kids watch TV, the lower their reading scores in every single country in the world except for one. The country with the highest reading scores in the world watches the most TV in the world. It's Finland. How can that be? Well, Finland makes really bad TV shows. And so what they have to do is they import old episodes of Happy Days and Gilligan's Island, and they have to put them in subtitles and finish. The kids are reading all the time. So there's a quick win for everybody right there. Um, you know, I always tell parents, your, your automobile is a mobile university. So if it takes you 10 minutes each way to drive your kid to school, why don't you put in a, an audio book on the, on the trip to and from school? You just hit your 20 minutes every single day just like that. I mean, that's the interesting thing, too, is first of all, we already hit upon this. Being read aloud, too, is just as significant as reading on your own. And then secondly, the 20 minutes don't have to be consecutive. So if you have to do one minute here, one minute there, that's fine. I mean, um, and this is why I think the uh, when people talk about illiteracy, I don't believe there is such a thing as illiteracy. There's just different degrees of literacy. I mean, if we're going to use the word literacy, I'm illiterate. If you give me a, a manual on medical terms, I wouldn't understand how to read that. I don't know how to read music. So that makes me illiterate if I, in terms of music. Um, I'm highly literate when it comes to educational materials and things like that. You know, but even little kids, children from the time they're in the womb, they see the golden arches. They know exactly what that says. Like, stop the car, Playland, McDonald's, you know. So um, all that we're trying to do is to get the kids reading 20 minutes a day. Now, the other number I want people to focus on is 67. Now, there's a lot of people that'll tell you it takes 21 days to change a habit. And to those people, I say, show me the research on that. I know exactly where the number comes from. It's from a wonderful book. I bet you you've read it, Aaron. It's called uh, Psycho-Cybernetics by Dr. Maxwell Maltz. It was written by, it was written in 1960. And uh, Dr. Maltz was a plastic surgeon. And in the preface of his book, he said he, he noticed it took most of his patients about 21 days to get used to their new faces. Well, a lot of self-help gurus, personal development people, a lot of people you and I respect, took that number and started telling people it takes 21 days to change a habit. It's completely farce. So false farce. It's a farce. It's a farce. It's yeah. False. Yeah. But researchers at the University of London in 2009 did a habit study on habit research, uh, how long it takes to form a habit. 
And they determined it took anywhere from 18 to 254 days to change a habit. And the average was 66 days. I don't like the number 66, so I threw in a bonus day. 67. <laughs> and it depends on the habit, Aaron. So, for example, if you want to drink a glass of water before breakfast, it might take you 18 days to make that into a habit. But if you want to quit smoking, that's going to take 254 days. And here's why this is critical. Let's say you're trying to lose weight. So you follow a diet religiously for 21 days, but on day 22, you fall off the wagon. Well, you blame yourself. And that's wrong because research shows that on average, it takes at least three times longer than that right. to form a habit. I think it's very irresponsible for people to throw out numbers without having any research to support those numbers. And so my program takes just a little bit over two months. And in just a little bit over two months, we're going to get your kid to read more, read better, but most importantly, to love reading. Twenty minutes is what he's saying. Twenty minutes a day. They don't have to be consecutive. And the idea that you could turn on the closed captioning, I, I had I had no idea. And what blows me away is that when we are doing the hero's journey at the facility, anytime we put in any movie, whether it's a SpongeBob show or the Matrix, where the the Wachowski brothers designed it to go step by step on the hero's journey, the kids always say, can you put on the closed captioning? And I don't know why, but of course we say yes. They're reading. I had like a, a duh. This is why we bring these types of guests on Beyond Risk and Back is because we need those duh moments. After 230 episodes of listening to the experts talk about parenting, development, uh, the, the, the skills required to be the parent of a teen at risk, and spending the years I have with these experts, listening to them talk, getting this type of information, and then turning around and teaching it to parents. Everything I have ever taught a parent is now in an app. It has three courses, the red course, the yellow course, and the green course, just like a traffic light, because red is full stop. These are the really beyond risk kids multiple suicide attempts, ODs, addiction issues, dependency issues with social media and video games, running away, crippling depression and anxiety. You want the red course. If your kid's at risk and you see the grades dropping and the friends group changing and you know this could go either way, depending on what you do as a parent, you want the yellow course. That's the warning, slow down. Green is when your kids are doing good. This is, this is good, things are working, but you look at this kid and you're like, there's a world changer right there, I know it. What do I need to do differently as a parent to get this from good to world changing? That's, that's the teen in the green. Now you get all three courses when you buy this 56 session parenting course that I've put together on brabapp.com, B-R-A-B-A-P-P.com. Brab, beyond risk and back, you get it? Brabapp.com. And you'll see, I've made it so unbelievably affordable because I want every parent to have it. You can watch it on your phone, you can watch it on your computer, your pad, it doesn't matter. I want you to have everything I've ever taught parents in 20 years of parent coaching, running a facility, and working with children, teens, and adults. Go to brabapp.com, download your course. You'll have to take a short quiz, but the reason why I want you to answer those 10 questions is so that you know which course to start with. But no matter where it goes, we got you. I'll see you at brabapp.com. Let's get back to Dr. Danny.
this is this is blowing me away. The 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 I I'm I'm going to struggle to get past the 20 minutes and tomorrow I'm heading up to the facility to 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 work with the kids and to teach and I'm going to high five them for saying turn on turn turn this on. I mean this is you turn on those closed captions. I had no idea. I never watch a movie without closed captions. I've always watched it. And in my ADHD brain, I can read and watch the movie at the same time, but this is phenomenal. What, what else, what do we, what do we have for parents when we are, we are hitting the wall with reading and our kids? You know, really interest drives reading Aaron. And so I used to volunteer at a juvenile detention facility in South central and uh, they gave me these girls. They're like, all oh, these girls, they're beyond risk, you know, yeah. which I, I hate that. I'm like, you know, you either rise or fall based on the expectation. It's true. It's true. And uh, treatment support. resistant. Those are the words yeah. that I hear treatment resistant. And that just tells me you didn't try hard enough. Exactly. <laughs> you and I are brothers from another mother. I, I absolutely agree with that. I, um, I, 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 I always tell people, you got to pay attention to kids. We don't listen to people. This is a problem for everybody in America. We, people need to learn how to listen. You don't have to agree with one another, but you need to learn how to be able to disagree and without being disagreeable. It's ridiculous. Right. Basic psychology. And so um, uh, these girls, they used to like to put each other down. And so what I did is in the back of Us magazine, there's this thing called the Fashion Police, where it's these comedians ripping apart celebrities walking the red carpet. And these girls couldn't get enough of that. They were just laughing. Like, oh, look at that put down. Look at that put down. And that was the hook. Yeah. I'm always trying to figure out what's the hook. Uh, you know, I had, I had when I was teaching teaching my little ones, I had this little girl. She was so good at passing the nines. Passing the nines is when you say, "Yo, mama, yo, mama, so, yo, mama, so." They go back, and she would. She, this was this kid was five years old, and she got a fifth grader crying because she's like, "Yo, mama, so, Paul, I saw her walking down the street with one shoe." I said, "Hey, you lost a shoe." She said, "No, I found a shoe." <laughs> <laughs> five years old i'm laughing hysterically and so of course i'm gonna find funny books for her and show her that she's like oh that's great you gotta you gotta build on the interest as parents you know i have three kids of my own and I, there's just habits uh the nicest thing my wife ever told me she's like danny thank you our kids love to read because of you i don't think my three children even realize they can go to bed without reading because we just made that the habit is every night i read aloud to, so um, I, I've got two, almost three teenagers, but my oldest daughter, we're reading Shadows and Bones is the series, and she's into that. My son, we're reading The Killer Angels by Michael Shira about the Battle of Gettysburg. He likes books like that. And then my youngest daughter, we're reading Around the World in 80 Days by Jules Verne. That's one of my favorite books, and she loves that. And then my wife and I are reading, uh, my wife loves the Outlander series by Diana Gabaldon. And so we read that together, uh, you know, are these my first preferences? No, but I got to do it based on whatever they're interested in. Another thing I do with my own children is we have the habit that, again, I believe that they can watch television, but the price of admission is they have to bring me something to read. So before they turn on the TV, they have to bring, when they were little, they would bring children's picture books. And now they bring me like newspaper articles or, or magazine articles, maybe a book chapter, but not usually. Uh, and we'll read that and then they can turn on the TV. So it's basic things. Um, access is really important. I always tell parents, you need to make sure books are accessible, reading materials are accessible, but listen to your kids. I mean, if they want to read comic books, I mean, 
my gosh, let them read comic books. I think comic books are phenomenal. It's a great way to improve. Matter of fact, some of my most reluctant readers that won't read a thing, you give them a comic book and they go crazy. I had a second grade. When I taught second grade, I had a little boy named Kiara. And Kiara's first grade teacher told me, Kiara don't know nothing. I'm like, thank you. Thank you for that. Well, Kiara, who don't know nothing, would come into my classroom. He said, hey, Mr. Sell, you see Barkley last night? He had 18 points and 16 boards. I'm like, thank you, Kiara. Because from that day forward, every day after lunch, she'd sit on my lap and we'd read the LA Times sports section together. And by the end of the year, Aaron, Kiara was one of my best readers. And all that kid ever read about was sports. Now, I understand that that's not the same type of reading material that you're going to be expected to read in school. But I guarantee you that's going to last a lifetime. And you know, I, I've got friends that that graduated Ivy League schools that love to brag to me that that was the last time they read a book. And I'm like, well, you're stupid because I have other friends that are high school dropouts that read every single day. And not only are they smarter, they might not have the paper degree, but they're smarter and they're much more interesting to be around. And so when I'm working with I hate the I hate the terms at risk, right? I, you know, I always tell my kids, look at show me any famous person that that wasn't a screw up as a kid. All of us screw up, you know. Uh, I tell my own. I was in India speaking, and this this five year old boy comes up to me who's missing his left arm, and he's like, "How can I accomplish anything?" And I'm like, "Turn your turn your weakness into a strength." I'm like, "When I was your age, I went to 18 different schools before sixth grade. Everybody called me stupid, but." because I couldn't talk right. And finally, I found a teacher who, uh, it's kind of like the movie, The King's Speech. She would sing things to me and I would sing them back. And eventually I, I lost my stutter and I became a swan. But the point I wanted to make to the little boy, I'm like, isn't this interesting? The little boy who they said was stupid and couldn't talk right now gets paid obscene amounts of money to travel the world, getting paid to do what? To speak. And I want every kid to know that. And that's why, like, when I was teaching my, my eighth grade special ed, I was the only teacher in my middle school, in the history of my middle school, never to have a tardy, because I always started class by reading a Paul Harvey story. I, I don't know if you grew up with Paul Harvey, Aaron. I, I, I grew up with Paul Harvey would show up at 1215 on my radio every day. He's like, I'm Paul Harvey with the rest of the story. I mean, he died a couple of years ago at the age of 325 years old. Right. I love Paul Harvey. And he has books collections of all of his rest of the stories which are perfect five minute read alouds matter of fact the reason i wrote my leadership begins with motivation book was i wanted to update a paul harvey book with more modern examples for kids to listen to you know uh you and i know who sears and roebuck are but nobody today <laughs> that. so i have to update it with stories about like jeff bezos and elon musk right. and, and people like that I'm sorry. So this is my bad habit, Aaron. I give very long answers to short questions. Yeah, but but within these bad answers to short questions that you give, it has inspired so many things. I want to wax poetic now that we're we're on the 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 you know the the, the left hand side of the clock. And that is this: there's an old urban legend. I don't know if it's true or not. Where a teacher got a list of her students, and there was a number after each student's name: one thirty six, one forty two, one twenty one. And she was like, "Oh my God, look at these IQs. These are these are incredibly smart kids." And she rewrote her curriculum to meet these kids where they were with their IQ, and the kids came in the class flourished highest scoring only to find out at the end of the school year those were their locker numbers and again whether it's true or not i think the story stands with when you set the bar high the kids do pull-ups but 
we have, and I, I don't think we can put this on the kids. We have, we have sold out reading. We have said kids aren't reading. Kids don't like reading. Kids never read a book. I have kids coming into the facility all the time with the parents saying they haven't read a book in three years. But the first thing you said in this episode was they're reading constantly. And we're not so we're telling there's a there's a video online I strongly recommend every parent watch. It's called How Diablo Became Spirit. And it is a it's about a Black Panther who's in a rescue. And this Black Panther will not let anyone near the cage. And the guy who can handle all the big cats and everything, this Panther is put in the hospital. And they bring in this animal communicator. And it's the first time the animal calls down and the communicator says he doesn't want to be named Diablo anymore. He wants you to call him spirit. And then it's all about how this cat flip-flops because of how the people treat him. And I think we're doing this to reading and children. We're saying they're not reading and they are. They're reading all day long. Texts, emails, schoolwork. This is, I, I mean, I want to wax poetic on that. Are we as parents... Should we make these kids read, read more or can we trust that they're reading enough? Well, I would never force a kid to do anything. That's, I mean, you look at like, that's how like the military operates. And believe me, forcing people to do things has good short-term effects. But I, I think in the long-term, it never is effective. If you really want long-term change, you need to, I mean, I'm a, I'm a husband and I've learned if I want something, I make my wife feel like it was her idea. And it's the same thing with kids is I need to get the kid to make the choice on their own. It's like that movie Inception is uh, there's a great line where he says uh, a positive thought always trumps a negative thought. And it's the truth. If you actually look at the history of civilization, good always triumphs over evil. Eventually, it's always been the same case. Um, and the same thing with kids. I, I hate. I always tell people, if you're going to take the time to uh, label a kid, why don't you label them a genius? I always call all my students underachieving geniuses, and I love to give them stories about very famous people that screwed up along the way. And uh, kids need to see that. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> I mean, when I taught kindergarten, I always told the kids, I'm like, I hope to God this isn't the best year of your life. You know, I hope it's next year and the year after that. The windshield's a whole lot bigger than the rearview mirror. I have friends from high school that still love to talk about when we played high school football together. I'm like, my gosh, if that's how you're identifying yourself, I mean, the, every day you have a choice. You know, am I going to be the light or am I going to be the darkness? And I'm a big believer in that. And again, you got some kids that for whatever reason they've been, I, I'm blessed. Aaron, my wife grew up in the most negative environment, people telling her what she couldn't do all the time. Whereas I have a photo of me when I was four years old, I'm wearing space boots, a San Diego Charger jersey, a sheriff's badge and a fireman's helmet, because I was going to be the first ever astronaut, professional football player, police officer and firefighter. That's the world I grew up in. And I want every kid to grow up in a world like that, where they see the possibilities. Now, on, on this note, and loosely tied to this, we are told and marketed to constantly that, you know, millionaires read 50 books a year and you can download this app and we're going to give you the synopsis so you can shortcut the process. Knowing that, A, you're successful, that you're a, a reading ambassador, that, yeah. that is that true or is that just a sales gimmick? I, do we have to read a certain amount to be successful? 
Well, I don't know about that, but I can definitely tell you that uh, there's plenty of readers that are not necessarily leaders, but I've never read about an effective leader that was not also an avid reader. But again, we have to redefine what literacy is. I mean, most people, when they think about a book, they think of uh, Dostoevsky, War and Peace. It doesn't have to be that. It can be something short. I know plenty of uh, incredible writers that... uh, the way that they were inspired to become writers was reading Sports Illustrated. Well, Sports Illustrated, you're talking maybe the longest articles are maybe eight pages long, but they're written at a very high level. Read short stories. Read. I mean, I, I like to, I'll tell you, this is something I, was, I, I figured out, Aaron. After I watch Everybody Loves Raymond, I had fun watching it, but I, I never feel like I accomplished anything. Whereas I could read the shortest book and I feel like, wow, it's like a workout. I did something today. And that's why I like short books. I have one of the, the world's top uh, book clubs online. Uh, all of your listeners can go there. It's called LazyReaders.com. LazyReaders.com. If you subscribe, it's a free subscription. Once a month for the rest of your life, I update it with 10 book recommendations, three or four adult level, three or four young adult level, and three or four children's level books, all under 250 pages. So you have something you can read when you're stuck waiting in line or whatever. Uh, the reason we became one of the top book clubs was it was crazy we've been around since 2003 within five months we were beating oprah amazon barnes and noble and i didn't understand what was going on and my uh my tech guy he did the uh, analytics on it and we discovered middle school boys had discovered the site and they were they were looking for short books that they could do their book reports on wow that's a clue for you yeah that tells you you know if we're if we're going to have a limited attention span again You know, it takes patience to read a long novel, but I read every, I mean, I read a story yesterday, which was fascinating to me. I, the older I get, the the more I realize how little I actually know. I always thought, Aaron, did you know, I always thought Sally Ride was the first woman in outer space. She was an American, flew up in the space shuttle in, I think it was 1981. Right. I read yesterday, Russia sent a woman up to space in 1963. (laughs) How did I not know How that? did we miss that one? And it's incredible. I mean, what it's interesting, though, because I used to be a history teacher, and I always, it's one of the first things I teach my students, is history books are usually written by the winners. Yes. Every event in history has multiple points of view. And in, in our class, we're going to learn how to listen to different, you don't have to agree with a point of view. You're going to respectfully listen. You know, I, I always tell my students, I'm here to teach you how to think, not what to think. You know, uh, we'd be better off if people stopped listening to other people think for them. And that's why I think reading is great. I'm like, hey, just because your teacher told you something doesn't mean it's it's true. Okay, let's get parents to you. How do we get parents to find you, to get to you, connect to you and the uh, the, the resources you have? Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, Aaron. I appreciate all you do. And I wanted to give uh, you and your listeners a, a whole bunch of freebies. So if they go to freereadingtraining.com, actually, they should go to your app first because that app sounds fantastic. I'm going to go to that app. Uh, but if you go to freereadingtraining.com, I'm going to give everybody a complimentary e-copy of my book, uh, Read, Leads, and Succeed, which is a book I wrote for a school principal who was trying to keep his faculty positively engaged. So I said, okay, I'll write you a book. So every week I give you a concept an inspirational quote, an inspirational story, a book recommendation on a book you should read, but you're probably too lazy because you're an adult. So I also give you a children's picture book recommendation that demonstrates the exact same concept in five minutes or less. Plus, I'm going to give you uh, access to uh, one of the reading challenges I did for a week with, uh, with parents and teachers, where every day for an hour, I give you all kinds of tips like, uh, you know, turning on the closed captioning, things like that to get your kids pumped up about reading. Again, The more excited we get people to read, the more likely they are to read. 
And the more you read, the better you get. And I love that there's ambassadors like you out there, Aaron, that are just pumping this up. And uh, parents, I always tell you, you are your child's best teacher and you make a difference every day. And people like Aaron and I, uh, in Joseph Campbell's uh, format, uh, we're just the guide. You are the hero. First thing I want you to do right now is go to freereadingtraining.com, get his Read, Lead, and Succeed book. Uh, he, look, every day at the facility, after breakfast, the first thing we do with the kids to get the school day started is we do nine minutes of cleaning of the schoolroom. Everybody has to pick a, a chore, and for nine minutes we clean. And then the kids sit on the mat. And these are high school kids, and one of them reads to the rest of the group. And the energy of it starts the day. And the kids affectionately call it the reading rainbow. And of course, LeVar Burton and what these kids grew up with. It's in there, parents. That's what you got to know. It's in there. You don't have to work so hard to pull it out. It's already there. It's already wanted. I want you to know that when children and children do run away from the facility because they've had a bad parent session, things aren't going bad, whatever, Guess where the first place we asked the police to look? The library. Why is that the place that the teens run to? Why is that where they go? I want you to know it's in there. I want to thank Deepin Productions for producing the podcast, doing this great music. I want to thank Your Cause Consulting for making sure that this show is getting in front of all the right people. And thank you, parents, teachers, clinicians, those of you who are listening to this show and learning from these experts like Dr. Danny Brassel. I'll go to freereadingtraining.com, get, read, lead, and succeed. And parents do this because that's what taking care of yourself first looks like. And that's the rule on Beyond Risk and Back. Parents, you take care of yourselves first, your adult relationships second, and your children third, because that's how you're going to do your best work with your children. I'm Aaron Hewitt. Thanks for joining me on Beyond Risk and Back. I'll see you next week.